You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply welcome to theater geeks anonymous at this time, we ask that you turn off all cell phones. Unless, of course, you're using them to listen to this podcast, in which case, please keep it on. And please refrain from any flash photography, as it is dangerous to the performers of this podcast. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't you see? It's so simple! Step one, we Google the biggest flops on Broadway. Step two, we find the crazy stories behind them. Step three, we see how they lose millions of dollars. Millions? Broadway isn't cheap. A lot of fancy people want to be producers. Step four, find out why the show won't go on. Step five, end this episode and head to Times Square. Times Square? That'll never work. Only Broadway's successes are in Times Square. <laughs> oh, ye of little faith. Just, like, pull up the metal door and you would hop in there. Like, Dorothy! <laughs> yes. Yep. For real. I'm sorry. Did I just blast you? <laughs> no, no, no. That's okay. fine. I'm okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome, theater geeks. Oh, my goodness. Were we recording that whole time? <laughs> I, I started recording... I forget when I started. You've got all the power now. I, used I do. To have the power. I used to be able to <laughs> click it and we would be listening to Ebony talking about something weird. And then all of a sudden I'd say, welcome. Well, now the tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. We were just talking about storms. So yeah, I was excited. It was a good, yeah. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> What's up, theater geeks? Today up? is... It's going to be a regular episode today. Yes. Uh, another yeah. one. Another one. Yeah. Um, we, I'm going to do a play <gasps> again. Yes, you told me this because we were trying to find something that was in the same vein as, as Taboo, like yeah. in the same like pride LGBTQ plus um, right. vein, mm -hmm, but we mm -hmm. were having trouble finding another musical, which I still think there must be something. Oh, I'm sure there's more, uh, but- this was already on the list. Yeah. And I saw it. Uh-huh. So and that- I your firsthand experience. Yeah. I saw it and I freaking love it. Awesome. <laughs> so much. <laughs> I have um, no idea what you're doing too. And I'm very excited. <laughs> we kind of, this, I don't know. We started this as a social contract with each other. Like we're not <laughs> going to tell each other what it's going to be. We're just going to do it. <laughs> Some, we used to, but it's yeah. just like that. I feel like these last ones, we did discuss taboo. Mm. But then I forgot. 
(laughs) 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 Yes, that's right. Yeah. And it was Um, worth the surprise. Such a good, that's, that was a good story. Good and sad. Oh, I saw when I was doing, oh, when I was doing research on, um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yeah. When when I was like like how trying to figure out how that did off Broadway, there was something that popped up about taboo. Mm-hmm. It was an article Ooh, or one that I didn't ha- read. I feel yeah. like I read them all. <laughs> I know. I mean, I don't know if you read it, but I mean, it, on the you air. didn't mention it. it yeah. yeah, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't in the air. I don't know. Did I save it? I'm not sure. What was it about? Do you remember? It was like talking about it coming in um, and it was talking about, it was coming in with like a few other shows and it, they were already talking about the Tony Awards about it. Oh, I, yeah, I do remember Did you that. see that one? Mm-hmm. Um, but now I can't remember if it was an article or a podcast. Uh, there was a, an article that led to a documentary that was about oh, maybe the Tony that's Awards it that the documentary year. yes it was the documentary yeah. right it was, and, I was, and i actually did you watch watched, it i watched you it did? well not this time i watched it years ago because it was on oh. netflix at some point so i watched it years ago it was about it was following around all of the shows that were up for the yes. nomination that year so avenue q wicked taboo yes one other one do you remember what the other one was no i can't recall Oh, I'm sorry. That's going to be terrible. But anyway, um, and following around those companies and you got to see the backstage and you got to see like the walk from, you know, rehearsals into Mm -hmm. production and, and then into, you know, um, the Tony awards. So it was, it, uh, it's definitely worth watching. I remember watching though at the time and thinking this seems like it was filmed in the nineties because it was such a strange, like it wasn't the camera footage that we're used to seeing. And it maybe like was just an analog camera or something like that. Like it wasn't digital film or something, but it looked, I remember it looking strange. (laughs) (laughs) And I think one of the things I recall too, was they were in the hotel room of the, um, woman, Winnie Holtzman, who yeah. wrote the book for Wicked, mm-hmm. um, when she was hearing about the nominations and how like it was kind of exciting and whatever. But then also that kind of scandal when Avenue Q won and they yeah. think that it only won because it, you know, brought like it made a deal with the Broadway producers saying we're going to stay here. And then they didn't stay and they went to Las Vegas and it was like this huge thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like I saw it and I was like, oh, I want to watch that. I think it's on Prime. It's not like covered under Prime, so I'd have you to rent it. I think free on Slingbox. So you just download the app oh. on for Slingbox and you can watch it for free. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yep. I'll do I that then. Re- you remember the name of the? I'm gonna look this up no, because yeah, now we're talking about all this stuff and then we won't be able to actually give information to our <laughs> listeners. Sorry. Um, yeah, I definitely don't remember the title. Yeah. It was something like Broadway to the Tonys or something like something very generic, very generic show business <laughs> colon the road to Broadway. Okay. Yep. <laughs> very generic. Yeah. Very generic. <laughs> uh, but if you just Google that show business colon the road to Broadway, 
it will come up with the links that you can watch it. And so one of the links is Sling TV for free and you just click on watch. It'll take you to the actual website. Okay. That's cool. And then let's find out what the other, if I can see it in the picture, Carolina Change is that yes. fourth one. So Avenue Q, Taboo, Carolina Change, and Wicked. Which was supposed to have its revival <laughs> right you, now. Oh, yes, that's right. It was supposed to be happening right oh, now. That's sad. Well, I, I think it's coming back next year is what I'm they gonna, announced. Because yeah. at first it was supposed to come back this fall. Yes. Um, but I think they announced it's coming back spring 2021. I could be wrong, but I know I, I yeah. Oh no. I was just going to say, I'm hopeful that all of the shows will be able to come back in whatever, you know, maybe not Broadway, but like to be able to come back as, as, as something next year, but it's mm, not going to we'll be see. until next year. I think there, yeah. I just read another article t- yesterday or today Yeah, that was like, um, a theater in Texas, somewhere in Texas, that was going to do um, a, a farce kind of show. I can't remember the name of the show, but it was just a comedy. Seven people on stage, and all of the actors were going to be wearing masks, as well as all of the people in the audience. But then Texas's numbers kept going up and up and yeah. up. They were supposed to open it on the 26th, which would have been this last Friday as we are recording. Yeah. But then they had to cancel it. So I'm, oh, and because then one of the performers also came back as having COVID-19 or being exposed to COVID-19. So then he had to go and, okay. And here, see this, this is why I think that this is so important to wear a mask. Yeah. yeah. Because he didn't do anything to expose himself. What happened was his daughter had a business meeting with another man whose child was exposed in a daycare setting and then exposed his whole family. Well, that business meeting happened in a closed setting. They were six feet apart, but neither one of them were wearing masks. So guess what? Now his daughter was exposed, which means he was exposed, which means now you've got like this huge body count of people that have to quarantine for 14 days when all you had to do in the first place was wear a flipping mask. I know. I know. I know. I... You know, and people are, people are getting, say, like, they're making up those fake cards mm-hmm. that say, like, I have a breathing condition, which, like, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so one of my friends, his father has COPD. That man has a makeshift hazmat suit when he is getting packages. Yeah. Not even talking about going out. Mask, gloves, the whole, like, whatever, how, yes. at whatever he can cover, he covers. Mm-hmm. COPD is basically your lungs are hardening. Yeah. So I'm like, if he can wear a mask, yes. literally everyone else can. Mm-hmm. This is like, I'll, I don't understand what is happening. <laughs> okay. So now guys, <laughs> well, well, after all that heavy talk, this is uh, Theater Geeks Anonymous, <laughs> where, where we, we talk, talk about, about Broadway, Broadway. <laughs> flops, scandals, and new work. New work. Um, it is still June as we are recording this, which yeah. means happy pride month. Mm. Um, woo. Happy I was the water. That was why I couldn't <laughs> say the woo. All I could do was, mm. <laughs> uh, and so in that spirit with that pride, mm. we did uh taboo for the first 
the 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 first of the two major episodes in in the June series. And the second one we're going to do today for you is Significant Other, which is oh, a play. Okay. Have you have you have you heard of this one? I've heard of it, but I know nothing about it. Okay. Cool beans. <laughs> um, all right. So the articles I will reference are uh there's a playbill article from 2017 by olivia clement uh there's a broadway.com interview with joshua Harmon. um there's a 2015 broadway world article by ted sod that's also an interview with joshua Harmon. Uh, i will reference and quote from the new york times review by charles isherwood and a couple of articles from the hollywood reporter awesome um, I'll also quote from a couple of the Josh Harmon interviews, but I'll also say, like, this is what Josh said, or this is what Trip, Trip Coleman said, the okay. director. <laughs> okay, so um, Significant Other, the play, um, Joshua Harmon began writing the play in 2011 during his residency at the Atlantic Center for the Arts in Florida. Playwright Annie Baker instructed him to write nine scenes that could be performed in any order. Annie, so uh, what I got from one of his other interviews is you basically could apply for this, um, I forget how many weeks it was, I think it, he said it was something like eight weeks, something like that, um, and you, you would be working with like a very well-known playwright, and obviously like everybody knows Annie Baker. She has... I think she has a Pulitzer Ooh. and she's been nominated, nominated. I don't think that's correct. I don't think that's <laughs> how you say that for Pulitzers, but like when you're up for a Pulitzer a couple of times, list. also she was on, that's what it's called. Shortlist. <laughs> yeah. She was shortlisted. Thank you. Um, so the scenes came about uh, from those nine scenes. Um, Joshua started writing about Jordan Berman. Um, and in these nine scenes, he would be talking to his therapist about a man at work that he had a crush on. Um, in the nine scenes, so the, the nine scenes could be nonlinear. Oh, okay. Um, so in the nine scenes, he was trying to ask this coworker on a date to watch a film about the Franco-Prussian War. <laughs> <laughs> because this coworker liked historical war documentaries. Okay. Um, so before, before he started writing this and before he did this residency, he had written a play called Bad Jews. Um, and so a lot of people might know Bad Jews because it was off-Broadway for, for a while. When Roundabout Theater decided to produce his play Bad Jews, Joshua decided that if the production didn't go well, he'd be too traumatized to write again. <laughs> so he had to write another play before Bad Jews went into rehearsals. <laughs> I love I mean, it. This is very much the character Jordan Berman. I mean, yeah. this sort of like neuroses, kind of like, oh no, this is all like sort of neurotic. I yeah. mean, this is very like I want success, but I'm scared of it. And yeah. I can't. Yes, yes. It's yes. all gonna go to pot. And so yep. if it's all gonna go to pot, I better just like prepare myself now <laughs> to be really disappointed. Yep. The first draft um, of Significant Other was 176 pages, which is long for most plays. Um, and a lot of the play originally took place in therapy. There were readings of Emily Dickinson poems and a live band, which he later cut 
Um, he cut a lot of that out, and the therapist scenes were changed to scenes between Jordan and his friends. Oh. Um, the therapist, though, so the therapist in the original script was meant to be a dual part, so it would be played by the same woman who would play the therapist and his grandmother. Oh, okay. Um, but he later changed that, and so the grandmother's still a character, but as I said, the therapist was no longer. Yeah, I bet um, that could be confusing if you, Yeah. if it didn't seem like if it didn't wasn't directed correctly right right mm -hmm. um there are three significant scenes in the play uh where you're at wait sorry there are three significant scenes in the play where you're at each of the best friend's weddings okay and joshua so this came out of joshua saying he thought about how at every wedding there's always that lonely person in the corner and he wanted to explore what that lonely person might be going through <laughs> oh, I like that. That's right. Such a, it's such a, a kind of, you know, it's like a new telling of an, an old story. Yeah. 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 I, I have a very, okay. So <laughs> I was reading that and I was like, oh, I have a sad corner story and it's like actually really sad. <laughs> so like I, normally, um, I am, if my friends are like making good choices and they found somebody who like makes absolute sense. And I'm like, good, good job, girl. I am so <laughs> excited for them. Like yeah. I, I have planned bridal showers and helped plan weddings. I wasn't even in. That's how excited <laughs> I get for my friends when they're making good choices. Yes. Love it. Okay. So I had a close friend. I was at her wedding. Mind you, this was only about, about a year and a half after my mom had passed away. Not okay. quite two years. Yeah. And I mean, I had known her for, oh my gosh, 13 years at this wow. point. So yeah. I was like super, super excited for her. But what happened is, okay, we're at the reception and we get to the um, mother son dance. Oh, yeah. So my mom only lived long enough to see my brother get married, my little brother get married. And so when he got married and they did the mother-daughter dance, they did it to that boys to men song from Soul Food, yeah. Mama. Yeah. <laughs> well, my friend who got married, like, I never would have expected she or her fiance to choose a boys to men song. Yeah. But they chose the same song. Oh my goodness. I, I have never had less control of my tear ducts than no. I did. I was in the corner. Your face was leaking. Sobbing. Yeah. Oh. I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was bad. It was bad. So much. This is why music <laughs> is so important. It ties yeah. all of these memories. It's like that and smell. <laughs> are are the two main things that like you smell something or you hear a song or or yeah it's that's really truly amazing yeah yeah I'm sorry I, though that is sad it, I mean it was I was like this literally I've never had a sad moment at a wedding I love the crap out of weddings um I mean I'm only sad if like my girlfriend's not making a great decision I'm like why why are we doing this <laughs> yeah um but but when they are, I'm telling you, I am over the moon outside of my mind happy, but that threw me for a loop. I'm I, sure. 
I was like, I usually have more control over, <laughs> over the tear ducts. I had <laughs> the, second, the second I am happy, I start yeah. crying. Like, and, this, and I never used to be that way. It's starting to, it started to get that way, maybe in my mid twenties to mm-hmm. late, late twenties. And where like even a commercial would throw me over the, like, I'll get so excited <laughs> and I'll be laughing. I'll be like, like everything will just come out my face. Like it's, it is the, but every time now I go to a wedding, I know I'm going to cry. Like I get that choked up throat feeling and I'm like, don't ugly cry. Just don't ugly cry. <laughs> I sang at a friend's wedding once and yeah. in the middle of the song, I got choked up and started crying. And I was oh. like, this is not good. Like this is their day. Don't make it about you. <laughs> But I mean, it was a true moment. And then I went to them later and I was like, I'm so sorry. And they were like, no, no, you don't understand. Like that made the whole, like the whole ceremony for us because it was like so heartfelt. And I was like, yeah, it really was. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lordy. Yeah. No, but that feeling of like, oh my God, I can't make this about me. I mean, I was, I was in the, in the corner yeah. Trying to get as far away from every, because I'm like, this is a wonderful moment and I have no control, none no. whatsoever. Oh, I was texting Anna. my brother and sister and I was like, I'm in the corner. I've lost it. They were like, oh no. Oh, Eb, oh no. <laughs> I feel like that needs to be a Pasek and Paul song. I'm in the corner and I have no control. I have no control. I've lost it. Like not all of us can sing through sobbing like Ben can. Like we're not all. <laughs> Certainly not me. And like Donna Murphy, I would always watch her on stage mm-hmm. and she'd be like bawling, like tears would be running down her face and she'd yeah. have like complete control over that vocal instrument. Yeah. And I, I said that once in a dressing room and someone else was like, Pamela, she was acting. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. I got it. <laughs> I know, but still. No, it's, it's, yeah. (laughs) I mean, like when I saw Ben, I mean, snot, like every, it was one of those Viola Davis sobs. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. and kids still had perfect control. I was just like, I don't understand what's happening. Oh, wow. (laughs) How are you doing this? Oh gosh. Okay. Well, this is not a musical, so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So plot synopsis. This one's very short. If you have more questions, I'm happy to answer because like I said, I've seen it actually now twice. Oh, nice. Um, The play tells the story of Jordan Berman, a gay man who is soon to turn 30, who has three close female friends, Vanessa, Kiki, and Laura. He attempts to find the love of his life, always with the encouragement of his friends, but fails miserably. Meanwhile, one by one, his girlfriends get married and he's left feeling alone and more than alone, abandoned. He can't hide his resentment and he, and is given to rants, which really, really do happen. There's, he hasn't, he doesn't, I wouldn't say, I don't, I don't know that I would say he rants with the girlfriend so much. Yeah. Um, there is one really heartbreaking scene that happened between Gideon and Lindsay. That's was, it's just so great. And in all of the reviews, like everyone comments on it and they say something that's so true. They're always like, um, you can 
to- like they're both absolutely a hundred percent right in their yeah. argument. Okay. Yeah. Right. So he's arguing about what it feels like to, to be left abandoned. And like, you know, they had this one promise that like, if not, neither of them found somebody, then, you know, they would get married and they had started naming their kids and they said like what their song would be. And it's like the Celine Dion song. Um, and, and, and she, like, she meets somebody, he's super nice. I mean, this is one of those times where I was like, okay, girl has made a wise decision. Like, this is a really good person. And he likes him a lot too. But then, you know, and then, but then you also have like this bridezilla aspect where it's like so expensive to be a part of a wedding, Mm -hmm. you know? And in his case, like she doesn't even make him a bridesman. Oh, okay. You know, and, and that's her best friend. I mean, in the, throughout the whole play, like there's, they're thicker, than she, then either of them are with the other two girls. Like mm-hmm. they're thick as thieves. Oh, so it was the other two friends that made it into the bridal party, but not him. Yeah. Okay. So that they, the two of them, and then she had to pick like, I don't know, his sister or something like mm-hmm. that or whatever. And so she was like, the numbers would be off. Like this is, I, yeah, I, yeah. But, it's just such a, like, that's really a cop out. But then yeah. also she talks about how, like, how are you making this about you? Like, this is my day. I mean, mm-hmm. both arguments, absolutely valid. Yeah. You're totally split down the middle and on both sides. Really, really beautiful argument. Um, so these are some quotes from Joshua's 2015 Broadway World interview. I wanted to examine questions and concerns and fears, which are my own. And if they are my own, then I must believe they're not unique, unique only to me. Mm. Watching my friends date, seeing some of my friends get married while others remain single, both happily and begrudgingly. Oh, okay. (laughs) Bego, bego. (laughs) I was really, I was struggling. I liked it. (laughs) Seeing how people's lives change once they get married, watching friendships change, all contributed to this play. But ultimately, whatever ideas I had before writing the play made its own demands. So I had to be willing to bend toward the play and allow it to become what it wanted to become. Um, There are three, this is not a quote, but there are three significant scenes in the play where at each of the best friend's weddings and Joshua um, said that he thought about Oh, I said this part already. Yeah, yeah, I did. Oh, I put it in there twice. Let me delete that. I will. Edit it in post. Yep, cut that out. Whoopsies. Um, Where's the delete? Goodness. Okay, it's fine. Um, Okay, so here's another quote from Josh. And it's from that same article. Today, people are getting married later and later. If a person used to get married at 20 or 22, now they wait until 27 or 29. So he wanted to explore, like, what are they doing in those years to find intimacy and love and connection? Mm -hmm. He said, perhaps they have boyfriends, but I've observed that a lot of these non-romantic needs get fulfilled in friendships. So Mm -hmm. a person often enters a marriage with a group of friends who have served in so many ways the surrogate platonic lovers. Those friendships can be intense and powerful and deeply meaningful. 
A romantic connection outside the friendship necessarily ruptures that relationship. It's a tricky balancing act. How to be happy for a friend, even when you know, in some respects, you are losing them and often when you need them most. Mm. There's totally like we're, you know, you and I are both single. So there's totally like that grieving period and that moment of like adjustment that you have to have where you're like, okay, so we totally understand things are changing, but, um, have a lot of married friends and or friends who are just in like, uh, significant relationships who are not Mm -hmm. married. Yeah. And if somebody matters to you, you are able to make the time for them. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yes. Right? So, like, I have all of these friends who are married or in significant relationships still because they were like, well, Ebony's still important enough for me to, like, make some time for her. Yeah. And it's not that, like, it's, I realize it's not going to be the same amount of time it used to be. Sure. But... There's also the flip side where people get so engrossed in their world where it's like you've disappeared yeah, and they don't spend any time with you. They don't want to hear what's going on with you. Like they've, they have, they make absolutely no time. Mm -hmm. And so then you're like, okay, well, I see where I ranked. (laughs) Yeah. I think I've been in both scenarios. Yeah. Same. But Mm -hmm. I'd say that the most important relationship I have Mm-hmm. is with Juliet, who yeah. is married and has three young children. And when she was still living in, in Astoria, we had a weekly wine night. We would get yeah. together, we would drink a bottle of wine, and we would watch like Scandal or Nashville <laughs> or Gilmore Girls, you know, whatever it was. But we made that like a weekly date. Mm-hmm. But I also knew that 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 date could change potentially based right. on her family on, right. you know, the kids or the husband or whatever it was. And I knew that, but it wasn't ever like, I never felt like, I never felt like she didn't think me important. I never yeah. thought that our relationship, although it had changed, I never felt like it had disappeared. It was always, right. it was always, uh, mutually, um, important to both of us, mm-hmm. but it was also because I knew I'm also, the, my, and this is something that comes from my mother. I'm the kind of person that's like, you just let me know what you'd like to do. I'm happy <laughs> to do it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. when I come to visit for the holidays, she's like, well, I'd love to go get lunch with you, but you just let me know what you're, what you, what you want to do tomorrow. You can just sit in a room and watch TV or we can go to dinner or whatever you want. You just mm-hmm. let me know. But it's always like, you know, of course I'm going to go out to dinner with you, mom. I came yeah. all this way <laughs> to visit you. Yeah. But she doesn't ever want to be that kind of person that like inserts herself into your life. Right. Right. You know, in a way that is um, rude or bombastic or anything like that. She, right. she, it, she wants it to be a relationship that is easy and that is loving on both sides and that is respectful. I think it's mostly respectful. Yeah, and so yeah. that is the relationship that I've cultivated with 
my best friend. You know, we, it's, it is a respectful relationship. I will never, you know, if I call her and she doesn't answer me or she sends me to voicemail, I don't get offended by that. I think, right, right. Oh, I wonder which kid is getting in trouble right now. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, Cause I know what her life is. And likewise, if I have to put her, you know, straight to voicemail, she's like, Oh, she's probably grooming a dog right now. Do you know? Yeah. So it's never, but I think that that's super important because I have had the, the other, the alternative, uh, alternative as well, where, oh, I, okay. Now that you've got your family, that's all you need. Okay. Yeah. I'm an, I'll step out then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it hurts. Yeah. It is very yeah. hurtful. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think as I get older, I just don't care. I'm, I'm much, I much prefer quality over quantity. So you know, if it's too hard to be your friend, then I don't need to be. Yeah, no, same. I've, I've had that as well. Um, I've had the first part and the second part, like I, like I said, I still am good friends with a lot of people and relationships. Um, but then there have been those and are those where it's like, as soon as the person gets into a relationship, it's like, you don't really hear from them. Yeah. And, um, and, and, but like, also don't come back to me after, you know, like years or months or whatever of barely understanding I exist and then ask me for something. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Or try to sell me whatever it is you're trying to like get money for on your side hustle. No. Like, Like you don't even, I don't even know why you're still my Facebook friend. Yes. Yeah. There is something <laughs> very offensive about that and very yeah. disrespectful. Yep. 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 <laughs> it's, and that, I mean, honestly, that's where the phrase fair weather friends came into play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if you, our friendship is only good when it's 90 degrees and sunny outside, well, then it's not going to be a heck of a lot, you know, a, a heck of a friendship when winter hits. Yeah. Yep. And that's no good. Especially no, if it's my winter and that's when I need you the most. Yeah. Which, and, and that's totally to Josh's point here. Mm. It's like sometimes, like he said, sometimes, yeah. Um, you know, you lose them when you need them the most. Yep. Yep. Ugh. It really, it's really something <laughs> really pain and grief really weed out. Um, like you said, the fair weather friends. Yeah. Um, so the, the play was produced off Broadway by the Roundabout Theater Company at the Laura Pels Theater. It premiered on May 16th, 2015 and officially opened on June 18th um, and then closed on August 16th of 2015. I, I remember, I believe um, it was extended so it wasn't it it was on a limited run already but then it got extended at least one time i believe okay that production was directed by trip coleman um the cast featured gideon glick as jordan um with john bellman sass goldberg Lindsay mendez kara patterson luke smith and academy award nominee barbara berry as jordan's grandmother and her return to the stage at the age of 84 Love it. Yep. Um, This is a quote from Trip Coleman. When I first read the play, I was reeling from a horrific breakup. 
I was in this place of acute despair and numbing anxiety. What if I never find someone else? And that was it. I remember relating so intensely to the expressions of loneliness that Jordan has. Make no mistake, significant other is a comedy, but a lot of the laughs come at the expense of the character's happiness, none more so than Jordan's. Mm. Harmon says that he never intended for significant other to be a comedy. He said, I honestly thought that I had written the saddest play, he said. (laughs) (laughs) I don't write thinking about the comedy. I'm genuinely always surprised when something winds up being funny. I love that though. <laughs> I mean, true comedy, it's that it's the other side of a tragedy coin. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's no differentiating them. Mm-hmm. I think any comedy could be played as a tragedy and any yeah. tragedy could be played as a comedy depending on how it is directed. That's true. Which is so cool to me. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And I feel, I feel that with this, like, it's, it's like in the way that Gideon delivers a line, it's in the way, like his mannerisms, a choice that, that he makes, a choice that Lindsay makes, um, or any Rachel or any number of the other actors. Like, it's just in like, if they played it one other way, it would be really depressing. And I don't think it would hit the poignant moments. Um, and the truth of it wouldn't have hit as hard as it does when you see it, because it is a comedy. The off-Broadway run was a critical darling, and this powered the show to Broadway. Significant other marked the Broadway debut for director Trip Coleman and playwright Joshua Harmon. It It was only the second time a new play by Roundabout had been transferred to Broadway at the time. The first time was by Stephen Karam's Tony winning best play, The Humans. I also saw The Humans. I really loved that play. as well. The off-Broadway cast reprised their roles for the Broadway production. So Gideon was Jordan Berman. Barbara Berry was Helene Berman, his grandmother, who was suffering from dementia. John Bellman played three characters, Will, Conrad, and Tony. Um, This was the Broadway debut for Sass Goldberg, who played Kiki. Then Rebecca Naomi Jones played Vanessa. Lindsay Mendez played Laura, and it was also the Broadway debut for Luke Smith, who played Zach, Evan, and Roger. Um, so I was listening to the Billboard on Broadway podcast, and there was like a fun little aside about Rebecca Naomi Jones and Lindsay Mendez. Uh-huh. So Lindsay says, she said, uh, Rebecca and I end up like filling in for the other. So for example, like if Rebecca can't take a part because of scheduling conflicts they usually call Lindsay and vice versa and if you like she's like we don't look anything alike yeah I I would venture to say their singing their singing voices are not very similar either I I know the name Rebecca Naomi Jones and I actually googled her just Oklahoma now I, oh thank she's you she's in the Oklahoma revival okay it just happened yeah I could not Place it. I mean, she's yeah. done a lot of other stuff as I just saw, but no, they do not have similar voices. No. So, so even Lindsay was like, it's weird. I'm not really sure why it happens, but they've never gone in the same thing at the same time. Yeah. So she said they would say to each other, I hope one day we actually get to do something together. And she's like, well, here it is a play. It's not even a musical that we get to do together. <laughs> awesome. I thought that was cute. Yeah. 
Uh, Broadway previews for Significant Other began on February 14th, 2017. So Valentine's Day, which Love is like it. pretty awesome. Marketing, marketing, marketing. Right? <laughs> um, it was at the Booth Theater. Um, opening night was March 2nd of 2017. And unfortunately, the closing date ended up being April 23rd of 2017. Mm -hmm. After the show failed to make, uh, after the show failed to make it above a 33% gross potential for its weekly earnings. Yikes. It had 19 previews and 61 regular performances. Joan Marcus for The Hollywood Reporter writes, yet upon transferring to Broadway where the production opened March 2nd, it proved a weak draw at the box office. Last week, the show grossed only $141,742, just 19% of its potential gross. And the theater was only 45% full, according to the Broadway League. Its cumulative grosses after seven weeks stand at a little over $1.2 million. And, I mean, for a play, I mean, you're talking, to put it up, probably costs 12 to $15 million Yeah. Just to get it up on its feet. Yep. So if their capacity was 45%, but they were only hitting 19%, does that mean that the bulk of that was like papering the audience? Yeah, it was a lot of papering. Okay. Well, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, so when I went to see it, it was closing in a few days. Mm. And... I bought, I didn't paper, but I, I bought a cheap ticket way up in the balcony and the theater was so empty. Uh, after everyone came in, they told us to move to like the lower part of yeah. the balcony. I mean, that theater, it, oh, and I think it does. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. And I do think it only has two because they definitely said, you know, it was a sm smaller, more intimate theater. Oh, that was, okay, so Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf was meant to be there this that's year. That's what, I was like, I think it closed, that's what, okay. But yeah, that okay. was where Boys in the Band was, and that's yes. also where Gary, which was a sequel to Titus Andronicus, was. Yes, yes. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Cool. Uh, the show's Broadway run had a majority of good reviews, all, but between the time, okay, so this is like the tidbit of news, right? So it did. It had a lot of good reviews, the Broadway run, but between the time that it moved from off-Broadway to Broadway, Charles Isherwood was let go from the New York Times. Oh, I remember talking about this. Yes. And he loved Significant Other. He was a major champion of that play. Yeah. So then between those two times, all the other reviews were pretty good. But then Ben Brantley reviewed the Broadway run, and he was meh about it. He's always meh about everything. <laughs> Have we ever read, like, a good review from Ben Brantley? <laughs> sure I feel like some. Ben Brantley always comes up in this podcast because we're always talking about flops. <laughs> yeah. 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 I remember, I remember Charles being on Theater Talk. Um, and talking about significant other and just how much he loved it. Yeah. I mean, he really, he really, really loved this play. Yeah. Um, and I, I really, really love it also. So it was, it was just very sad to see um, 
it closed so quickly. And I remember like talking about, cause I had a lot of friends who saw the off Broadway run and they were just like, Oh, it's so good. Oh my God. Like, all, right. So I was like, okay, okay. I didn't make it to, I didn't make it to the off Broadway run. It was like, I, but I'm going to do, I'm going to do the Broadway. Like I have to get in there. Yeah. Um, and then I saw it. Uh, and then I was like, texting I think actually I'm lying and it was not the week it was closing I, I think it was at least two weeks before okay because I was telling everybody to go see it mm. and I think a couple of people listened to me but I know my one friend Taylor in particular who lives in Philadelphia I was like you have to come see this you have to <laughs> yeah and so he's like okay okay he comes down from Philly and goes to see it and he's like oh my god Oh my God, I'm on stage. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, I know, right? I know. I mean, uh, like, I'm not a gay man, but yeah, there were so many things that he said. And I'm also a happily single person. Yeah, totally. But, but like those moments where like, for me, I'm like, there needs to be more thing, more ways to celebrate single people. Yeah. I feel like Every time there's a party, it's for somebody who's like getting married. It's like, why is it the only way we celebrate women? That's right. garbage. I don't like it. Yeah. Like my, it was my plan when I graduated CTI to have an actual like party at a restaurant because yeah. I was like, I flipping got into something only like 27 people get in <laughs> and flipping. I don't even know how I got into this, but I got into it. I was like, and I'm tired of it only being about like, if you get married or pop out a kid, like why yeah. yes. my celebration well, have to like, have anything to do with the dude? Right. Like it should have nothing to do with the dude. Yes. And like celebrate me because I'm awesome. Societal norms. Yes. Like why do I, why is my life only going in the direction that society wants it to when I hit these certain milestones? Right. Like that's not cause, cause even, and I, I'm starting to, I'm, I am getting over it, but every once in a while we'll just kind of like get a little bit of like a, Oh, in my tummy about it, you know, like where, yeah. um, I look at my life and I'm like, I haven't accomplished anything, which is absolute crap yeah. because I've done a lot in my life, but on paper, it looks like I haven't done anything. Yeah because on paper, that's what society is looking at. That's what the world is looking at. And they're, yeah. they're seeing the fact that I've never been married and I've never had a child and I've never purchased a house, but I see it in that I'm living by myself in yeah. an apartment in New York city with my two dogs. And I have a car that's parked in a parking spot that I pay for. And yeah. like that all right there is a very blessed person. Yeah. Do you and know you're I mean? doing like, a job you like to do. Yes. Yes. And I've changed my idea of what my life was supposed to be several yeah. times, but I've been happy at every turn. Yeah. But it's still, there is like this kind of frustration that it's, you know, I like, I've never, I've never felt the biological clock. I always did yeah. think I was going to have children because I love children. Yeah. But even that was like, do I want children because I want children or do I want children because I'm supposed to have them? Right. Right. And really to answer that question, it was because I was supposed to quote unquote have right, them. Right. It's not same. actually, and, and I still love them. 
yeah. that I don't want any of my own. And yeah. that is okay. But I'm a woman in my late thirties who has finally come to that realization and can mm -hmm. say it out loud and dismiss anybody that comes at me for not wanting children. Do you know what I mean? But like, oh, I totally I do. I never would have been able to do that. There's, um, so there's this woman that I told you to follow and you listened to me yes, and you I did, did. It. <laughs> <laughs> Her name is Rachel Cargill, but she also started, uh, I would say about a month and a half ago, another Instagram hashtag or not hashtag handle called rich auntie Supreme. Okay. And it's for these, it's for all the women who like love being aunties, but don't yes. want, like want to be child free. <laughs> and I was like, yes. So I've been following. Oh, I Duh. love it. So I have good. nine of them. I'm the best oh, aunt. Gosh. <laughs> I only have six and I'm like, it's a You'll lot. So I'm going to close. <laughs> With uh, a little bit of Charles Isherwood's review from the New York Times. Writing with buoyancy, belying the play's undertow of sadness, Mr. Harmon acutely captures that perilous period in young adulthood when friends from college and work begin palling into mere acquaintances. <laughs> The besties you chatted with almost every day begin pairing off with other people, some you like, some you don't, and receding into the distance, not entirely by quite but quite perceptibly. Mm -hmm. perceptibly. Suddenly, there's only the occasional dinner or text exchange to stir the cooling embers of a once blazing friendship. Sprinkled throughout the play are scenes of Jordan vi visiting his beloved grandmother, played by played with unsentimental grace by Barbara Berry. The sleek set by Mark Wendland whisks, whisks us easily among the play's diverse locations. A perceptive and poignant point of connection between Jordan and his grandmother is the unspoken idea that at certain junctures in life, you lose your friends for marriage or worse, of course, death. Mm. How's your social life? She asks him gently at the beginning of each visit meaning they both know any special guy in your life, mm. but Jordan has little to report. He takes it as a sign of serious hope that Will accepted his friend request on Facebook within 10 minutes, which means nothing. <laughs> eventually, eventually, he works up the courage to ask Will on a movie date, which doesn't end promisingly, and afterward composes a moody, gee, I really like you email that he reads to his girlfriends, who unanimously who unanimously and invoices dark with foreboding advise him by no means to send <laughs> naturally he does it anyway oh no that's a great scene and in one of the interviews with gordon or with gideon gideon says that he can some he could sometimes hear the audience be like no don't oh, send it totally. <laughs> oh man you just be audibly be like no don't do it and he would do it anyway it's too late <laughs> Mr. Glick grounds the comedy in emotional truth. Jordan's crush on Will may be hopeless. With his looks from an Abercrombie and Fitch shopping bag, Will is the embodiment of the Fire Island going gym rat type of gay man <laughs> whom Jordan, sorry buddy, could only dream of dating. <laughs> but who, who among us has not at some point set our sights on a God, little G, 
forgetting that they tend to frolic with one another. <laughs> uh, I hate being a, poor, a person, Jordan says, in one of his lowest moments. I wish I was a rock, you know, or anything, a salamander, dental floss, rain. <laughs> it's a funny line, but Mr. Glick invests it with real sadness, a reminder that the burden of wanting love and not having it can make living itself a purgatory. Mm. But such is his ebullient charm and Mr. Harmon's depiction of his character's plight that we in the audience wouldn't want Jordan to be anyone or anything but himself. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that's a good review. Isn't it? <laughs> so lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I really love that play. Um, there was a, a Zoom version that happened last month. Oh, fun. Oh, I yeah. think I saw something about that. Yeah. Um, and I watched that as well. And it was really well done. You know, I mean, Zoom, of course, like. Yeah. Has its of course, challenges. <laughs> right, it does, you know. But at least it's much harder with um, really sort of snappy dialogue. True. And this wasn't as like over, this isn't as overlapping. Okay. So it didn't feel like you were missing a lot. Yeah. There's been other other shows I've seen where it's like. This isn't really working very well because you, yeah. you need to be a little snappier and you can't really be. Um, but this this went this went along very well. Um, Barbara, you could see she had the script, but the way she did it, it, it didn't look weird. Okay. You know what I mean? So like you could you could kind of tell like she's, you know, I mean, my God, it was 2017. So you're talking, she's like 87, 88. Yeah. <laughs> there's a real finesse like and i yeah there's a real finesse in using your script to also and also perform at the same time yeah yeah, yeah. you know and also like um his grandmother is suffering from like the early stages of dementia so even when she would miss her place she would sort of play into that dementia smart i mean it was really yeah great great job an 87 year old woman figuring (laughs) out how to be an actor on zoom i give her all the credit you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) no kidding i'm like 37 year olds can't figure that out let alone (laughs) 87 you know so god bless her you know really so yep that's the story of significant other it, it's had like other regional um, productions and just, man, I just love it. Awesome. Yeah. So that's it, guys. That's, right. that's going to be our last show for the June. We for the figure June. out what we're going to do for July. You um, will not actually hear any of these episodes in June. <laughs> right. Because no, I'm going to be posting Taboo this right. Tuesday, which is the last day of June. So. Yeah. You'll hear that one, but that's okay because you forgive us. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. So, so we'll figure out what July is, and uh, you'll get some episodes. Yay! Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. We appreciate you. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. 
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 